welcome to the Easy Yoga Podcast with myself, Gemma Nice, Easy Yoga founder, author, yoga coach, and relationship coach. It is my pleasure to have you here and for you to feel energized, calm, happy, and for you to have the perfect relationship with yourself, your partner, and your family without seeing a family therapist, changing your personality, or leaving your job. You will learn techniques and things to help you guide you through a better life through health, meditation, yoga, journaling, nutrition, and all things yoga for you to have the life you deserve and crave and for you to love yourself on a soul level. Thank you so, so much for being here today. And I am so grateful and so full of love to have you here. Enjoy this next episode. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode from Easy Yoga, all things relationships, yoga and well-being. And today I have a very special guest with me. His name is Amrit Singh and he has been studying Kundalini Yoga for over 30 years. And his foundation was laid in Germany in the early 90s. And then he decided to move to India to dedicate his life's work to help build and grow Miri Piri. Is that how you say it? Yeah, correct. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> for over 20 years and there he lived with his beautiful wife and then they moved to Mexico and and his two kids as well and he served as director of a residential life having completed his time in India he recently moved to Mexico so hello welcome to welcome thank you for being thank you thank you thanks for having me yeah that's amazing so how did you kind of get into this in the first place what kind of drew you to Kundalini for me, it was actually it was smoking weed with 14, oh, wow. 15 and, you know, <laughs> me realizing the first time, oh, wow, this is interesting stuff. You know, it's taking me out there into this world of unknown and not so structured how everybody else was functioning in Germany yeah. at the time. And yeah, so then I smoked weed for several years and ended up uh, realizing, hey, I'm still at the same place I was five years ago. Nothing has changed in my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so that wasn't really sustainable. And then a friend of mine was like, oh, we're doing this yoga thing. You should come. And so we went and the whole click went and everybody did yoga with 20 people. And then, of course, you know, people were falling off. And, and yeah. I ended up being one of the few who stayed and kept going with the yoga. And during the yoga practice, I realized I can get to the same state of experience I got from smoking weed yeah naturally and through my own practice and without feeling stoned and without having to pay money and I was just like oh my god you know this is a win-win <laughs> four ways and so I'm totally uh, I'm in and so I I stuck with it and then I stuck, stopped smoking weed and that really helped to deepen my practice and explore more and that's how it all started yeah that's amazing because actually I've been practicing yoga for 16 years and teaching for nine years but I've never done kundalini yoga and what is it someone asked me the other day I was like uh I don't know <laughs> so kundalini yoga I mean there's there's a couple different ways which are put under kundalini yoga what I studied was kundalini yoga as taught by yogi bhajan which was very specific and he he was very strict on the way he was teaching it um, Kundalini yoga over thousands of years was always like the secretive path of yoga. It was not so much what you would teach the normal householder. It was more the type of yoga you, as a teacher, you would introduce to a student who has been worthy after being with you for 10, 15, 20 years. 
And then you say, okay, now we can really touch this. We can play with the Kundalini energy without <clears throat> shooting this guy into the heavens and never getting him back. <laughs> yeah. But that was a thousand years ago. Times have changed so much, you know, we've evolved so much. Our nervous systems have uh, evolved and things have changed. And so when, when Yogi Bhajan started teaching about it in the 70s in the US, it, it was to a new generation. It was to this generation of, of hippies who wanted to have new experiences, who wanted to have those experiences no matter what. And they were taking drugs because that was the only way they had available. And so now this guy comes from India with a big long beard and a turban and says, hey, you know, I can get you just as high with doing this practice. And they're all like, mm, that sounds interesting. <laughs> Let's try. <laughs> and so he got a, a following pretty quickly from that generation and from those hippies. And they started practicing and they realized that when you use your body and your breath in a certain way, and you very consciously activate your stored Kundalini energy, you can stimulate this rise of energy through your chakras and this expansion into your aura, which is really what in one way or another all the drugs do. Yeah. The drugs just do it non-sustainably because the second your liver is done getting that stuff out of your system, you're like, oh, bummer, you know, I don't feel like that anymore. Yeah. Right. So you have to you have to keep upping your dose so you can continue to be in that state again, which is non-sustainable because ultimately it's it, it's too much stuff to put into your system, right? Yeah, that's amazing. I love how yoga makes you feel as well. No matter what yoga it is, you're still moving. So you're still releasing all of the energy and yeah, I love it. But also touching on the chakras, um, someone had said to me the other day, like which one should they work on? And I was like, well, it depends on where your energy is stuck. So what yeah. would you kind of say that for chakras? Well, this is one of the cool things about the Kundalini Yoga. It's, it's set up in Kriyas. And those Kriyas are very specific in a way where this exercise first, the second, the third, and each Kriya has a little bit of a different effect, which is very much linked to the chakras. For example, one is for the lungs or for the heart or for expanding your aura or for getting more focus in your life. And so these kriyas are set up in such a way that the, the eight to 15 exercises which go in a row go through your chakras from the bottom up and basically touch them all, but have a focus towards one of them. So my question would always be, or my answer towards that question is work all the chakras, start from the bottom, go to the top. You know, there's no great tree who is, which has ever grown without putting the roots down first. So I think it's really tempting, especially for a beginner, uh, especially in trying Kundalini Yoga to go up into the higher chakras and be like, oh my God, I'm feeling high, it's so amazing. But then again, that doesn't help because then after class, when you have to get in your car and want to drive home and you feel high, that's not helpful. <laughs> yeah. So it's really important to ground that energy. And so what I found is as soon as I was able to really put my roots down, connect to my first three chakras, and then center all of that in the heart, now suddenly this connection to the top could really expand and be sustainable. And I could feel very high while being grounded like a beautiful tree with yeah. strong roots in the ground. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And actually a lot of my clients will come to me and say that they've got 
pelvic issues or they've got stomach issues so that's all about grounding so as long as yeah. you yeah put your feet on the floor and actually i said to one of them the other day go outside go to a big tree take your shoes take your socks off and really yeah, just awesome. stand and maybe hug the tree <laughs> she was like yeah. what <laughs> i'm not a tree hugger oh i love <laughs> <laughs> oh but this is so good because just being barefoot on the ground is amazing. It gives you, it, it's the easiest way to ground. And it's really what our ancestors did for thousands of years before someone had the bright idea to put on <laughs> shoes. And since that day, we've all been like, oh, we need to wear shoes at all times. Yeah, so we're not grounded anymore, but we should be. Yeah. yeah, no, completely, definitely. And also, I think when you put your hands on the ground as well, or you just lay on the ground, well, we can't now, of it's course. not raining, but you can. <laughs> All those things are extremely grounding. And it's, again, you know, like what one of the, the most important things I learned is that it's all about using the tools we have available mm -hmm. and just putting our hands on the ground, putting our feet on the ground, lying on the ground. Those are just tools. Yes, there's a hundred other ways you can ground yourself, but this is a really simple tool and anyone can use it. You, you know, a baby can use it. You don't have to have any technique. You have studied nothing. And so this is always for me in all the different practices and all the different ways you can go deep into spirituality is it's not about my path is better than your path or whatever. It's all about what kind of tools can I use to make my travel on my path quicker and more efficient. And if I don't use the tools, that's okay too. I just go slower and that's fine too. I can pick my own speed. Yeah. There's no right or wrong. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And what would you say if someone was really, really stressed out or they've got a high flying business or yeah, they're a commuter and they're constantly stressed out, they're anxious, they're not sleeping, they're not eating right. Would you say do Kundalini or would you say like do meditation or grounding or sort out your chakras? <laughs> I would probably say get rid of your job that stresses you out. But <laughs> that's, that's more the ultimate goal. I think in the beginning, you really have to construct it back. And I would put Kundalini in there somewhere in the path, just because I know about it. And I have a lot of experience in that field. But I would not put it as the first thing, you know, I would I would use it as a tool a little further down the process. It's a little bit like building a house, right? Yeah, I, I start with my foundation and then I put the walls up. And then when I put the roof, which might be the Kundalini, that's the right time. You know, I don't try to stress myself out or stress the client out about, OK, now you need to do half an hour of yoga every day. And they think, oh, my God, you know, I'm yeah. already I already don't have any time. And then they are there, you know, like thinking, stressing while they're doing yoga. And then it again has the counter counter effect. Yes. So for someone who is stressed out and is burned out, I would really say like it, it's time to slow down. It's time to do less rather than doing more. And the first thing I would work on is sleep, because if sleep is off, everything which comes after that becomes a yeah. problem. So I would use the the tool of sleep really to say okay if we get this one fixed you're going to feel 80 percent better <laughs> and then we can play with adding yoga and diet and drinking more water and exercising and cutting things out which which drain your energy but it's really that's where it starts yeah yeah and how long would you say well it's quality isn't it not quantity well it is both <laughs> of sleep it's both i mean for sleep it's really it's about quality and quantity it's very different for 
the age, it's very different in what kind of environment you're working. It really depends on how you eat. You know, there's some people who eat a lot and then they say, I wonder why I need so much sleep. If you eat very little, you need less sleep. It's just, it's what your body does. It's, it's a simple thing. Um, my goal would be to sleep around seven and a half hours. And it really depends on what type of personality you are. You know, some people who can fall asleep in 30 seconds and there's other people who do need half an hour, 45 minutes. So no matter what that is, you have to kind of add that together. And then when you plan for your seven and a half hours plus half an hour of falling asleep, it kind of comes to eight hours, which is the general thing, which is ideal. Our body can function with less. I mean, I, I try to sleep seven and a half, but I can do one or two days in a row of six hours and I'll be okay. Yeah. Um, I found that sleeping in 90 minute cycles is really what most of us do you know it goes okay. through the different sleep stages yes. and that's why alarm clocks are such a, an issue because if that alarm clock rings right towards the end of your sleep cycle before you're supposed to wake up it's super easy to get out of bed but if that alarm clock rings right into that your deep sleep phase and you're being dragged out of bed, it's like going through molasses, you know, you're like, oh, oh what's <laughs> happening? Oh, why? And it has nothing to do with, with anything except your body was at such a deep point yeah. where you would have never naturally woken up because it's not designed. So these are the kinds of things I look at in the beginning when I help someone to sleep better. And, and then it really also comes down to, you know, preparation for sleep. You know, when do you turn off your electronics because the yeah. blue light really wakes us up and we are not designed to be woken up in the, at night, you know, when it's dark out. And I mean, things, of course, like alcohol and, and drugs right before bed really is an issue because then your first sleep cycle is completely off. So you can't calculate your times. So this this is the kinds of things I'm I'm looking at for sleep because yeah. when you sleep right and you wake up with energy the next morning, oh my God, you can do a lot of things. So different. <laughs> Definitely. And actually my daughter woke up, oh, I don't know, Monday night about two o'clock. And then I'm thinking, oh no, I don't want to get up. I'm warm, I'm snuggled. I need to get up though. <laughs> But then I can just go straight back to sleep, whereas my husband takes him ages to get back. I think because then yeah. your mind starts thinking and yeah. Exactly. It's also different personalities. They People just sleep differently. And so that's a normal thing. Yeah, yeah. Now we are going to go to a short break. See you the other side. Have you heard Paradise Movement is expanding? Our app has launched and it has been carefully crafted for those who are beginning your spiritual journey and seeking support, far along in your spiritual journey and looking for expansion, feeling alone, lost or curious about your healing self or purpose, need support but are unsure of where to find your truth and are looking to challenge yourself to grow within wellness or spirituality. Are you drawn to crystals, chakras, astrology, manifestation, shadow work, energy healing, spirit guides, meditation, EFT tapping, Chinese medicine, or any other alternative healing method? We have a group of insightful healers who have prepared courses and programs chosen just for you. Our focus is on making spirituality and wellness accessible, easy to find, and for every stage of your journey. We are here to help you feel loved, inspired, aligned, connected, grounded, intuitive, supported, in harmony, free and expanded. 
So come over to the Paradise Movement app and download it for yourself, for you to feel good about yourself. It is available on the Google Play Store and on the Apple App Store. Your future self will thank you. So go and download it now. And how much water would you say drink? Because a lot of people don't drink enough. And I see this a lot. Yeah. Well, water is is really the second one on my list. You know, if I I get people sleep fixed, I say, okay, now let's look how much water you're drinking. So I'll tell you a little story. I I did this experiment once where I drank 12 liters of water. (laughs) So I was living in India at the time. It was summer, so it was hot out. And... I had read about the benefits of drinking a lot of water. So I was like, I'm going to try this out. So the the reason I came up with this number 12 was because that's how much I was in a box of water and the bottles were one liter each. And I was like, okay, I'll just drink a box of water a day, see what happens. (laughs) And so that was challenging. I mean, first of all, to to drink that much water. I mean, I I would drink a bottle in the morning then I would drink a bottle before I eat breakfast. Then I would drink a bottle uh, in between lunch and breakfast. I mean, it was really like, I, I really had to have my schedule yeah. so I wouldn't end up like with seven hour, bottles at hours. night. <laughs> oh yeah, and then I would drink a bottle before I go to bed. I would drink, uh, I kind of found like like three quarters of a bottle is what my stomach could handle before it would uh, <laughs> say like, <laughs> what are you doing, crazy person? And so that was kind of the thing. It got tricky because I couldn't sleep through the night anymore because I would wake up every two hours to go pee. So that was extremely inconvenient because I was like, oh my God, now I'm going pee again. Yeah. Um, During the day, it was complicated because I was like, hey, sorry, I I can't really come on that car ride with you because it's more than 45 minutes and (laughs) I will need to go pee. (laughs) And then ultimately, I, you know, like people were like, oh my God, what's wrong with this guy? Does he have a coke addiction or something? It's every 20 minutes in the bathroom. (laughs) So this I did for a week. And I felt exceptional. I had never felt this good in my entire life. You know, my brain was working four times the normal speed. I wasn't sweating. I mean, it was like 40 degrees Celsius outside. It was so hot. And I wasn't sweating because I was cooled down through the water. Um, I didn't need a lot of sleep anymore. I mean, to also partly because I woke up so much, but I ended up only sleeping four or five hours. But I, I was enough. I had so much energy. It was like I was on coffee the entire day <laughs> and it felt amazing. And I was so quick, you know, like that was my favorite yeah. part. My brain was functioning so much quicker than I had ever experienced it functioning. And so that, that was my drinking a lot of water experience. And so what I learned from that is don't drink 12 liters of water because it is too much. <laughs> it's really not practical. And plus, oh, I want to give that as a disclaimer. If you do drink 12 liters of water, you need to put electrolytes in your body. Yeah. Because if you do that without electrolytes for a too long period of time, it can really drain you and it can really um, get all those electrolytes out of your body when you then get the ultimate you know, yeah. opposite effect, right? But I, what I learned from it is, to really drink as much water as I can drink during the day mm-hmm. where it you know makes sense. So I do drink a lot of water in the morning when I'm at home and it doesn't matter that I run to the bathroom every yeah. 20 minutes. Um, I would recommend probably three to four liters. It depends on the body size. I mean, my kids 
and make fun of me because like the first thing I say to them after good morning is, did you drink a glass of water yet? <laughs> but they do like it because it really, I trained them both to get into this habit to, oh, I feel so shitty. It's like, hmm, yeah. huh, when did you yeah. drink a glass of water last? <laughs> and so they're both in the habit to drink water. They like water and it's cool it's cool to see the effect of it yes on, yeah on them you know definitely and actually we were going to school this morning and my my daughter said oh I've got I got a pain here like pointing to her head and I was like right okay well you you are you haven't had a drink today have you had a drink and she said no actually I haven't because I put water on the table for breakfast but I don't think she had any and I said right I want you you to drink your whole bottle throughout today and then I'll see what you've got left <laughs> or refill it up. And she's like, oh, okay, so will the pain go? I said, yeah, straight away. Well, near enough. Anyway, it's just that your body's way of telling you you're dehydrated. It's just like, oh, yeah. wow, that's interesting. She's five. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And that's the age to learn it because they're really, they're really connecting to that and it makes so much sense to them. And it's just, it's a great thing to teach our kids. Much, yeah. In my opinion, much more valuable than many yeah. math skills or yeah. <laughs> much yeah. other stuff they learn in school drink yeah. more water yes and actually uh, someone had said on another podcast the other day like what oh, I was being interviewed and and um they said about water and I said my tip is to have a glass or a cup in the bathroom and every time you go for a wee have a drink and oh, then wow. okay, replenishing it and he was like wow that's a really good idea what a concept yeah was especially in the beginning when when you're trying to break habit <clears throat> it's really hard to to just but I never drink water you know like kind of to get into the new mindset of drinking water um, another thing I found which helps a lot especially during the winter times in the colder countries is to drink warm water and not yeah. to drink hot water like we use for tea but like a, a warm temperature water which you can easily drink and it feels amazing because it warms you up from inside and yeah. it's just a really nice way. And would you say that from a hot tap or would you say cooled down kettle boiled water? Um, it really depends on, on which country you're in. You know, in England, you can drink from the tap. That's fine. Here in Mexico or in India, I, I would definitely boil it first just for yeah. safety. But to kind of mix it together, no hot and cold water and make it a nice temperature, warmer than your body temperature, especially when you feel your fingers are getting cold or you're just you feel you think about drinking a glass of water, but you're like, oh, I feel it's going to get me cold because it will because it's lower than your body temperature. Yeah. Then you drink a glass of warm water, which is higher than your body temperature. So it gets you warm. It's just very simple. I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> And actually, uh, water does clear out your chakras as well, I think. Oh, yeah, of yeah. course. I mean, inside and out. I mean, drinking it inside, but also being in a lake, being in a river, being in the ocean. Best thing to do for the chakras because it connects so quickly through the emotional yes. body. The elements. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Definitely. And do you do meditation or do you tell your clients? I do. Yeah, I do. And this is again, you know, like in, in building the house, you know, after we got yeah. sleep sorted out and we got, oh, now you're drinking water. And then we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, about diet and importance of that. And then, of course, exercise comes in there. And then after I got all these things sorted out with my clients, then it comes to meditation. Mm -hmm. Because what I found, if, if you start meditating before you sleep right or drink enough water or eat yeah. right, or, you know, like have regular exercise in your system, it is so, so challenging. 
it is so hard to close your eyes and your mind not going all over the place yes. and being like, oh my God, you know, this, I have to take care of this. And why am I sitting here? I'm wasting time. This is so stupid. And you're not like whatever your mind is coming up with. And then, <laughs> then you're like, okay, while I'm sitting here, at least I can think through this project, which I need to think through. <laughs> you know, so all these things are so, you know, distracting for meditation that after trying to meditate like this, you go, oh, I think meditation is not for me. Maybe I should never meditate yeah. again. Yeah. And that is such a false belief because we as human beings are natural meditators. I mean, look at a baby when it nurses from its mom, yeah. you know, the eyes roll up, they go into this huge space. It is such powerful meditation where you're just in awe. You can't stop staring at it yeah. because it is so amazing what this baby human can do where you're like, okay, I'm a grown-up human. I, I yeah. don't know how to meditate. <laughs> okay. So, and it really comes down to, Everybody knows how to meditate naturally. It's a normal thing. But you have to come to this point where you, where you remove all the obstacles. Mm -hmm. And that is not having slept well, not being hydrated enough, having eaten a big meal and your energy is pulled down, you yeah. know, or in general, eating too heavy makes it super hard to meditate. That's why we like meditating in the morning because you wake up after you sleep before you eat breakfast. That's a great time to meditate because you're light, your, you know, the, the blood of your body is not tied up in the digestion, in your liver, in your spleen, in those organs, you can really go into your heart and into your brain. And that's also why we practice yoga before meditating, because just stretching out and working with the chakras realigns them and allows for easier meditation. That's why we take a cold shower in the morning before meditating, because again, the water, like you talked about, is completely helps you to realign your chakras plus the cold really spikes your dopamine and so what what i teach is get all these little pieces in place before you even think about meditating yes. and guess what then you sit down and you're a beginner you never meditated and you just goes and you're right there and you're like oh my god i know how to meditate same person but having done having used all the tools before we even think about meditation. yeah yeah I love that. That is so true. That really is. And a lot of people will say, oh, I can't do that. I don't have time for that. Well, do five minutes. Do even one minute of breathing. It's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, it is when you think you don't have time. It is, yeah. <laughs> so, but it's, it usually, it's like, I don't have time. It's just, it's a mindset. I mean, we all have 24 hours, seven days a week. And some of us do amazing things with it. And others just sit in front of the TV and saying, I don't have time to, to watch more Netflix series, right? Yeah. So it's like, it, it really comes down to where do you set your priorities and, and how do you deal with it? Yeah, definitely. And it doesn't have to be just sitting down meditation or laying down. It can be a walking one as well. Oh, totally. I mean, all there's so many beautiful ways to meditate out there. I, I know about Kundalini Yoga. I've, I explored a little bit outside of that realm and I realized that it's all the same in the end. It's really, I mean, the ultimate way to meditate is in perfect stillness, without any music, without any mudras, without any breath focus, just being in flow and being in yes. samadhi, in enlightenment. But that's the ultimate goal. So what we do is we use these tools of meditation where we sing with a, with a mantra or we do some arm movement with it or we focus our eyes on the third eye point 
or we do a certain breath to get us there, or we do a visualization, or we meditate on nature, on the sunset, or whatever it is. These are all tools, again, to yeah. help you get to this ultimate state of meditation where all the tools drop away and nothing matters, and you're yeah. just present. But again, you can't just start there and be like, oh, yeah, I never meditate, so I just start at the ultimate you know, <laughs> top. That's not how it works. So you go into this very simple thing. And this is what I loved about Kundalini Yoga because it's very specific in the meditation. It's like, okay, you hold one hand here and the other hand here and you breathe like this and you focus your eyes there. So your mind goes like, oh my God, eyes focus here, arm here, okay, breath here. And then you do this for 10 minutes while you're thinking, oh my God, my arm hurts so much. And then suddenly last 30 seconds, you forget about everything. You're like, oh my God, I meditated. How did that happen? <laughs> So that's that's what I like about it. That's so true. And also, it's really good to get the children involved as well. Even if like you, you are doing it, it's nice that you can get them to do it or just sit down with you. And do you find that your children do that? It's a tricky one because for them, this is the thing I do, right? I mean, yeah. they, they see me meditate every morning of their life. And so... What I found, it's it's a little bit how my pets behave with it, honestly. Yes, you yeah, know, like, same as mine. So I will meditate and first the cat comes yeah. and then the dog comes and then they both try to sit on my lap. <laughs> and then my son sit, uh, wakes up, you know, and he wants to kind of lie there and he pushes the cat out of the way. <laughs> and it's like, it's this, when I go into a deep state of meditation, it attracts the energy yeah. and people you know, like my kids, my pets, or yeah. everybody wants to be in my space yeah. because they enjoy that. Yeah. When I start being like, hey, you should be meditating because meditation is so good and it does this to your brain and you go to school and you'll be so much better. And just and they look at me and it's like, seriously, again, you know, like <laughs> and they, they leave and they don't want to be in my space. Yeah. yeah. So I've learned to shut up about meditation. Yeah. And I just do my thing. And Funny enough, once in two weeks, my son will sit and close his eyes and meditate with me That's and nice. just say like, yeah, I got a hard day in school today. So I, I thought like, uh, I'll do five minutes of meditation. Oh, and I'm like, oh, wow. You know, <laughs> you really, they learn yeah. not by me blabbing about it, but yeah. by just watching what, yeah. what's happening. They can see how, how it makes you feel. So then exactly. they want that at the end of the day. That's amazing. Yeah. And two points to sum up today's conversation. <laughs> now I'm going to put you on the spot. We've spoken yeah, about so much. <laughs> about? We've spoken about so much. Yeah. So yeah, what are two takeaway points for today's conversation? For me? Yeah. Or for you? Yeah, for you okay. to tell us. Um. Oh, I would summarize it in get your tools right. Know what your toolbox is like. Know where you want to get to. Make a plan how to get there. Get yourself an accountability partner. You know, I work as a coach. So a lot of the work I do with my clients is to say, okay, you know you want to get there. You know, it's January right now. We all have a New Year's resolution. How serious are you about that? Are you serious enough to say, I go out and hire myself a coach. I'll take this that serious that I put my own money on the line and then use tools. There is so many beautiful tools out there. It doesn't matter if you practice Tai Chi or Hatha Yoga or you do Kundalini or you, you know, do whatever you do, but do something which helps you to get to your ultimate goal because, or review your goal. 
because yeah. that's the worst thing when you when you have this goal and the in the back of your mind you're always like oh yeah next year oh when i retire oh this day whatever that day is never going to come and you always have this ghost in the back of your mind of oh you're a bad person you haven't reached your goal you should feel shame and guilt and that pulls you down and that's the worst thing to do then rather abandon your goal you know then yeah. feel fearful or shameful or full of guilt around it that you have not achieved it or you haven't stopped smoking you haven't whatever you know like they keep smoking like who gives a fuck it doesn't yeah. matter yeah and so but it's ultimately it's about if you want to stop smoking then let's take this serious and let's get there and use tools get an accountability partner and just do it and then move on and use it as your new normal to step up even higher Yes, I love that. Thank you. Yes. And where can we find you? What's your website or your social media channels? Um, the two places I'm active on is you can get me on my website under coachingnow.info and just have a look there. But where I post every day is on TikTok. And that's really what I'm having a lot of fun with recently. And so there you can find me. I have two accounts on TikTok. One is Amrit Singh Range with my last name. And the other one is Whole Self Recovery. So that's where I always put new content. And it's fun because uh, I really enjoy how different TikTok is from Facebook and Instagram, yeah. which I never got into myself because yeah. I was in India and busy with my life in India there. But since I'm back, I started with TikTok and I'm having a blast. It's that's so much so fun. Good. <laughs> Energetically, it's so good, isn't it, as well? When you enjoy so something, that's fun. good. <laughs> Yeah, and that's how it has to be. And I don't want to post when it's not fun. You know, I don't want yeah. to, you know, like set up the the perfect shot for Instagram. That's boring. You know, like yeah. I I like the 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 authenticity of TikTok yes. and that it's not perfect and yeah. that people look weird and you can yeah, yeah. this videos <laughs> and it is really it's cool. There's a lot of stuff on there. It's very cool. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. It's been really nice to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I had so much fun. Oh, so as always, I would love to hear your thoughts about this episode. So please leave a comment or tag me on social media using at Yogi Gemma. I'm always so grateful to hear your thoughts. And thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to this episode. I will be back next week with another one, another fun episode for you guys to listen to. And also please leave a review on iTunes or like and subscribe to this podcast because it really means the world to me. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much and I will see you very soon. Music